folk, good morning again, and also to those at the hub and those watching on live. This morning, our meditation, I have uh, conned the title with the scripture text behind, Death in Adam and Life in Christ. Uh, scripture is taken from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21, as we are into the series of sermons from the book of Romans in the New Testament. And so let's see the scripture, and I invite you to read quietly on your own as you follow through. Okay? Therefore, just as sin came into the world to one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. The free gift is not like the trespass, for if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, bound for many. As you can see, Paul is talking about the judgment of sin and now the grace of God come in. Verse 16, And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, <clears throat> For the judgment follow one man trespass, brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification in the way that we are made right with Christ. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, and as one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. You can see the contrasting view with the first Adam and the second Adam. And this is the outcome. Verse 19, For by one man's disobedience to many will make sinners. For by one man's obedience the many will make righteous. We thank God for the second Adam. Then now the law came to increase the trespass, but when sin increased, grace abounded more, all the more. Finally, verse 21, And so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. God our Father, we thank you for the freedom of worship, and freedom of reading your word, and freedom for this moment of meditation. And so we ask, indeed, the Spirit himself will come by to teach us your word and to understand what will be shared at this moment not so much from me, but from the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit himself to all of us. Recognizing your presence has been with us and will be with us all the time. So we pray 
that truly even we come for communion, we know your grace is always sufficient for us. In Jesus' loving name we pray. Amen. Well, folks, you know and I know that this period of time, not only in Singapore but worldwide, uh, many of us are crowded with this virus situation in our midst. And we can't help but to kind of trace the number of people affected on a daily basis. Uh, prayfully, the, the number will decrease over time and not on the increase. So it is really a time for us to put our hearts together in prayer. So as a whole, you can see the economy not only affected locally Singapore, but globally. Uh, that many places are kind of twinkling down. Uh, we call cutting pay for the management. Uh, airlines are cutting the flights and so on and so forth. And we know even our hotel uh, industry is affected. Uh, airport is a bit quiet now. I understand I read somewhere from a chat, chat group, uh, certain malls, shopping mall in Singapore, Offering free car park. Uh, folks, you can go anywhere now. <laughs> free on the house, so to speak. And I think uh, no problem in booking a restaurant or places that normally you can't find a place. Uh, it's all there. But this morning I'd like also start with this cartoon script that you see, can see now. Uh, quite a light moment. Take a time to read. On top one, you can see folks are buying masks. The second one shows we save the cost in lipsticks. So, lady folks, you save some money here, but you got to spend some money there. But frankly speaking, uh, without offending anyone who are wearing masks, huh? I'd rather you put on lipsticks than masks. Huh? This is true, lady. <laughs> just show to you for this. But here you can see a contrasting picture. There is the up of sale and the downside of those uh, normally used items and so on. But here you realize that um, the scripture has this picture given to us too, as you just read about the contrasting figures of two Adams. The first Adam, man, second man, Jesus Christ. Of course, the nature of that is far, far apart. So here you can see in chapter 5, <clears throat> reading from 12, child to 21, that Paul has drawn our attention about the first Adam's, his failure, the sin that he committed, and then the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who came to offer his life to save us from the judgment of God together. So here you realize from the first Adam that you discover in the book of Genesis, first book of the Old Testament, that he was played in the Garden of Eden, beautiful garden, heavenly garden, full of trees, full of fruits, and he was given the privilege to be like, quote-unquote, first God's gardener, taking care, beautiful garden, and also the animal kingdom. 
But then in Genesis 2, 2, 16 to 17, verse, that this is what the Lord God has commanded him. It says to the man, You will surely eat all the trees of the garden. But verse 17 says, The tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. That commandment that God has given to man. You have the freedom to choose what you want to do. But there is only one I need you to obey. is not to touch the fruit of the tree with the knowledge of good and evil. But then the event unfolded before us that when God created the first helpmate, Eve, to Adam, and it was said that she eyeing at the fruit and got into tempted or temptation and offered their forbidden food to Adam. And the moment they took it, they could see themselves naked with one another. But folks, that act itself, the taking of the fruit, it was an act of sin. They need not to do much. The scripture hold them, the Lord hold them in the sand because you disobey me, that's how sin came into the world, into your life altogether. And follow that, the Lord said they missed the mark, they sinned against God, they were cast out of the presence of God, banished from that beautiful garden, and to be on their own, and to suffer the consequences of the disobedient act they had presented to the Lord. So folks, that's the condition of man from day one, the fall of man. The Bible describes it very well. And when you read Romans chapter 3, Paul has reinforced that statement, 3.23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, you and I. We can't deny it and come short of the glory of God. And I always give the illustration to people that holding my Bible at one point and then the hand together, sitting find that God and man were together. But the day that man took the forbidden fruit, they fall short of the glory of God. Man had gone down, banished, left God, or got to leave God. So here the Paul described it very well, that all have seen and come short of the glory of God. No more together with God. And Paul himself knows in Romans chapter 7, which will come later in the script, in the sermon series, 17 to 20 will say, and it is say that no longer I myself who it who do it, but it is sin living in me. Paul recognizes that sin continue to dwell in his life. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry out. Paul recognizes there is a tension in this life. For 19, verse 19, for the good that I want to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not do, I do, that I practice. Verse 20, and if I do what I will not to do, it no longer I will do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul trying to say, I can't help. 
but something inside me to do that bad thing. Oh, what a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. But thank be to God. God came to his rescue through Jesus Christ. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law, but with the flesh, I serve of sin. And Paul recognizes very well, there is a tension in the life. The good that I want to do, I can't. And the evil thing I'm not supposed to do, I did it. Who can deliver me? Except the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Thank be to God. And in the Old Testament, you learn from King David's life too, a man after God's own heart. He fell, he fell into sin. Psalm 51, you read it, I'm going to share with you here from verse 1 to 5. It's David's confession of his sin and sinful nature. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, block out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David was very honest and frank. He knew that he got sinned, even the time the mother conceived him. Why David could say that? Because of the sinful nature happened in the life of the first Adam. And Paul continued to say in 1 Timothy, especially 1 Timothy 15, I will go to that and say that this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, whom I am the chief. This was a slide 22 on verse 15, that Paul reckoned that he was a bad guy all the while before the Lord called him, arrested him to become the preacher instead of the persecutor of the Christian faith. And Paul exhorted it all together. I am the chief of all sinners. I couldn't run away. But thank God that saved him. And here we learn from Paul's background and David's background that all human race are by nature sinners before God. We can't deny that, folks. And we thank God that we're all saved by the grace of God Himself. And let me show you this photo. I took it recently. It's solid. Hope you can see it well. Coronavirus. There's a fight between people in the streets of Japan's, uh, Japanese city, a midst of people lining up for masks. Now the question here is, I'm not sure because people are rushing for the mask or they fight, or simply there was some misunderstanding, they fight. I feel this picture a big uh, surprise to me, taken, a, taken me aback, taken back on me, simply because this happened in Japan. You and I will know that you go to Japan, people are very courteous, polite, and respectful. And yet you see the fighting right openly 
uh, with the people. I'm not sure whether they are tourists or the local people. But yet my conclusion is, folks, we are all in fallen nature. No one is perfect. And we are all done in fighting. I'm not sure whether you fight with your neighbour or not. There's one incident, example. Or there actual war, fighting happening in the Middle East and in Africa, I believe. The fighting in the political world. Look at the US situation. And even across our neighbouring countries. They are fighting in business too. Quote and a quote, right, about competition. Uh, it could be bad and good too. Depend how we receive it. Fightings are ongoing simply because of our human nature. And we long and desire that there will be peace among us or between us too. But look at Middle East. After almost 70 years, still no peace. But we thank God that Paul introduces the second Adam to us, whom he has been actually preaching and telling us about salvation coming from the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Romans 5.8 says, But God command, demonstrate his love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a true fact, folks, that while we are still sinning, sinners in nature, Christ came to us. God does not need to wait for us to be perfect to come and save us. But while you and I remain a sinful person, He came to us. And there are some testimony here about the second Adam. Let me quickly go through with you. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Beloved, Behold, a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Here, while Jesus was on earth, about to enter the time of baptism, a voice came to the people and said, Behold, my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Look at him. A sinner's person is described here in 1 John 3, 5. You know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. The second Adam has no sin, folks. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God make him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become a righteousness of God. Jesus exchanged it for us. He took away our sins. We can take on his righteousness. Peter 2.22 says he committed no sins, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, verse 7 and 8 quickly say to you that being an obedient servant, likened to be man, and found himself in the form of a human being, and become the obedient servant to the point of death. Jesus demonstrated himself a full obedience to God. Unlike the first Adam, happened to be a disobedient person. Stay in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus' obedience reflected in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed all night, asking God to deliver him from the suffering on the cross. 
But in the end, he said, Nevertheless, thy will be done. Jesus lived up to the obedience call of God, that his will be done. And so here we learn that Jesus offers his life to save us all. I'm going to skip some slides here. And the question here in slide 35 will say, how do we apply this new life in us? Thank God we can learn so much from the second Adam. You see the next slide, we say Adam's, the first Adam's end result is death. Jesus as the second Adam ends his life in life, in love, in life, sorry. And today as we are facing critically this COVID-19, we thank God for the medical team working very hard to take care of those who are affected, sacrificing their life, family, the career, putting their family at risk to ensure those who are affected can recover well and up from the bed again. In fact, the government recognizes their contribution in making reward to them. Truly, they, truly they deserve our support and prayer. Uh, so folks, we like to thank your loved ones for working in this area to give the time, even the life, into the work for others. It's very challenging, very commendable. We thank God for that. And let me quickly close with this life testimony of this medical missionary serving in Africa, Liberia, Dr. Ken Blaney, American. And you can see his family photo too, with two young kids, a wife, leaving them behind in the U.S. He went there alone with a team of doctors to this uh, place called Lib- Lib- Liberia, Liberia uh, affected with the virus called Ebola. Heard about it, folks? Back in 2014. And Ebola killed many thousands of people in Africa. It was a very kind of crisis situation like what we are having today. But lo and behold, as a doctor, you couldn't spare for the treatment to others. He was affected. The Ebola symptoms come with soaring fever, diarrhea and nausea and so on. In fact, the danger is the same. They may lead to your death with the disease. And so it was in the year 2014, July 26, Dr. Ken found he was one of the victims in this disease. And he quarantined himself for a few days, reading the scripture in Hebrew to remind him, make every effort to enter rest, that no one will perish, but be obedient to God who serve him. And thank God his family and church member back in U.S. in praying for him. And so he was kind of transported back to the U.S. for treatment. And he was saying that the medical team in those days applied a risk uh, the, uh, treatment on him and not tested out first, but given to him. But thank God that later by later his condition improved, that he gained his strength back, and gain his life back. 
At the moment, he gave a public address when he discharged from hospital. Everybody rejoiced with him. And even in the Time magazine, he stated that the Ebola fighters himself as the man of the year, or the person for the year 2014. Uh, folks, this is a life story. You can Google a bit more. Uh, I didn't make it up. Uh. Just to show you. And thank God for this illustration to share with you and to encourage you how one can lay down his life for others. Then he was say after five years of back in US for treatment, in the year 2019, he made a comeback to serve God in Africa, uh, in Zambia now. Uh, you can see the map in the next slide. From Liberia, Liberia, he went out to Zambia, for he reckons that God had given him a new life, and he wants to continue to serve God with the passion and the love of God to the people who are affected with diseases. Uh, folks, let me remind you, he can have a very comfortable life in U.S. as a medical doctor. But deep in his life, he realized America is full of doctors, medical team. Well, in countries like Africa, still short of all this. But he is prepared to lay down his life to offer that care and help to those patients in the more remote countries like in Africa. Very commendable, very challenging, serving God and serving the people. So in conclusion, let me put these two thoughts to you. What are you going to do? What are you doing with the life that God has given you? Does the contribution you make enable others to live? Uh, folks, these two questions can be your discussion question in your cell meeting. Uh, you make reference to Romans chapter 5. Just a share, a thought here to remind you what are you doing with the life that God has given you. We may not be a medical doctor. Thank God for those medical doctors. Or lawyer. But thank God that you are a lawyer. At least I'm sure we can do something for the Lord and for others. So we pray that you will not miss the opportunity to serve one another in the Spirit of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for this moment of meditation, to look into your word, to remind us of the way that Jesus himself his life, ministry, his care for all of us, allowing us to be back to you in love, in commitment, in joy and peace. So we pray for the dear ones who are here this morning, they continue to walk in the faith that given to them. Be courageous in the situation that we are in today. In Jesus' name, our Lord, we pray. Amen.